This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. This is second part with Dr. Nicholas Green, and we are continuing discussions about behavior analysis, sedentary behavior, and physical activity. So if you haven't listened the first part yet, you might want to check it out first. So, Nick, should we start this episode with the role of technology in increasing physical activity? All right, yeah. I- It's been interesting for me as a, as a researcher and practitioner to see how technology has really, um, you know, evolved over time. You know, I, I graduated with the PhD in, in 2019, and right when I started my research, um, there was a, a shift in the marketplace. You know, uh, devices went from kind of the basic devices you put in your pocket, you know, like the Fitbit Zip is one, one tool that I used Um For my research, that was just a you know small clip-on had a LED display. That was it. But uh, the the interesting part was during my time as a graduate student during that six-year period, we had huge, tremendous growth in iPhone technology, smartwatch technology. So um, you know you, you know you can see any um, any recent Apple you know keynote address. They're always you know big company like that. They're always looking at how technology can measure you know certain biometrics better how they can measure behavior change in the form of steps and activities you know um you know in different ways so it's very it's a very exciting time to to be you know a physical activity researcher practitioner um you know in in today's marketplace Mm. so you're you're consulting people related to sedentary behavior and physical activity What what kind of technologies you use in these? Is it the ones that people happen to have, or do you advise them for for something specific? Yeah, that's right. And that's a good question. Yeah. So um, in research, right, we have research devices. So they got those. We had they had to just use whatever devices we had. It was a Fitbit Zip and you know uh, an Actigraph. I use that um, tool. But in practice, uh, because smartwatches and Um, trackers are so ubiquitous and common now. I just use whatever they already wear on their wrist, so it makes it very, very easy to get objective data um, on a day-to-day basis. And those, you know, people own today, right? Most people wear um, an Apple Watch or a, a Fitbit um, or a Garmin, you know, for those uh, mm. more adventurous, you know, clients. Yeah, and and are you usually looking for steps or what metrics you are you are looking from those devices? Yeah, so again, driven by whatever the client's needs are. So uh, right, we refer everybody to part one. Um, but uh, generally, right, if we're looking at activity and exercise, step counts are going to be a, a staple of most of the work. And then some type of intensity measure. Now, this is the fun part of working with so many different clients with so many different devices over the past couple of years is that um, – Apple Watch, Fitbit, Garmin, you name it, any device that has some type of heart sensor on it, they're going to have their own flavor, their own algorithm of what they call right the intensity minute, the exercise minute, the activity minute. So it's 
it's a bit of a headache when you're the <laughs> when you're the coach or consultant. Um, looking back at you know uh, again as a as a behavior analyst, we you know very technological in the sense that we write everything down, make sure we have our definitions tight. But when you're working with you know ten different clients that have you know four or five different devices, you have to look at definitions like okay, Fitbit zone minutes, right? So for anybody that has a Fitbit um, device, they change their definition of exercise minutes, like in the middle of, you know, I'd say in the middle of like a research project, but in the middle of uh, working with a client. So we had to look at the data as they shift because they started counting minutes differently. So um, I guess I'm kind of venting and tell you, tell, telling you about my coaching problems, but uh, uh, the intensity minute is up there, right? And the step count. And then within these devices, you can start tracking types of activity, you know, with walking outside or um, some type of hit training. So those are kind of the main staples. Then, of course, we have the whole gamut of whatever biometrics kind of go along with that. You know, resting heart rate is one I've really been um, enjoying um, um, looking at as a long-term measure for my clients. And um, But those are, I would say, those would be the main kind of groups of uh, measures. So uh, are you using the resting heart rate as an indicator of improved fitness or how, how do you use it? Yep, that's exactly right. So I'll have... Um, so. Uh, it, so for each of the clients that we, we track, um, the resting heart rate, we track the average resting heart rate every day. And then over time we can quickly see, um, again, linked to behavior change, right? We have, mm-hmm. um, right. In behavior analysis, we kind of have two measures that we think about. We have, we think about the behavior change and then what are the results and the results here for the resting heart rate is going to be that. Uh, that long-term two to three month outcome. It's been really neat to kind of pair seeing how on the day-to-day and week-to-week basis that step counts and um, intensity minutes, when those have increased and remain consistent over time, I have started to see some very nice reductions in in resting heart rate, you know, upwards of, you know, 10 beats a minute less. So, which Mm. is a a huge, uh, huge win for, for those clients that have been putting in all that that great effort hmm. and and with the resting heart rate do they measure it when they are awake or during sleep or what's your your standard procedure for so, getting the resting heart rate oh right so uh the fun barrier again i don't know if anybody else has encountered this is that when you have uh different devices so i have all of my clients log their data on a separate microsoft excels or google sheets just a spreadsheet and so they are just looking in their phone or their watch and just writing down whatever the resting heart rate was for the day. So for mm-hmm. the Apple users, I can pull up my phone now. You open up the health app. You go to resting heart rate right there. And whatever that value was for the day, we just write that was the resting heart rate for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's law locked in a separate spreadsheet. And then I graph that um, over time. Mm-hmm. So so it seems that even from the wrist measurement Measured from the wrist heart rate, it's uh, it's accurate enough for this kind of things that in several months you see a change in the resting heart rate if people have actually improved mm-hmm. their fitness. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. That that's correct. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think you were going towards. Yeah, I don't have anybody using uh, like a chest monitor. They're all they're all wrist based. Hmm. And, and that's have, for you know general. You know, yeah, and so for for my practice, it's you know this is kind of looking at 
long-term health, right? Long-term behavior change. So looking at the averages over, you know, three and six month window is useful for that application. Now, when you open the door open to like, you know, sports and, um, you know, elite athlete applications, looking at like a heart rate monitor during training sessions, that's a whole nother unique, you know, application of the tool there. Hmm. So w would you recommend this kind of, uh, thing where the fitness is not the main main variable in behavior change of normal people that the resting heart rate is a good indicator and is is enough for for these kind of cases yeah i think so you know when you look at um you know, you know i think as academics we could always you know split hairs about how good is bmi how good is blood pressure how good is you know resting heart rate but for most people you know if you're you know you see any table out there about you know, resting heart rate and outcomes and BMI and outcomes using those as general indicators, that's going to be, that's going to be great for, for most, you know, kind of average athletes out there, people that want to, you know, improve their long-term health. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian. Fibian is an accurate sitting and physical activity tracking device and analysis platform. It is a great tool for projects that aim for behavior change in sedentary behavior and incidental physical activity. Fibian provides easy-to-understand PDF and web browser reports for participants. Other features include comparisons to recommendations, linking results to health risks, achievement cards, and interactive goal-setting tool. In addition, Fibian provides an API that allows for easy integration to other systems and applications. Learn more about Fibian at fibian.com research. Fibian from researchers to researchers. Hmm. No, I, I think this is really interesting and important discussion. Like many times we as a researchers are really, really critical about the how how accurate something is. But for the practical purposes, if if it seems to be accurate enough that you can you can track change, then then it's useful useful for the people. Yeah. I'll, I'll Come to that question here in a second, but just a comment on what you just said that, um, you know, at the end of the day, right, we're looking at the practical usage of, you know, BMI or heart rate. It's like, look, somebody's coming to me and they're, you know, they're, they're in the, you know, morbidly obese category, you know, they're, they're 295 and 56. Like, it doesn't matter if the BMI is 48.7 or 46.2. Like, you got to get moved. It's a good general indicator in over time, right? When people get better and lose weight and do those things, like, in retrospect, you could say, remember when you weighed so-and-so? And I always joke with people like, you didn't. You didn't get taller or shrink, right? So your height's the same. They're like, okay, now we can see, oh, wow. That's kind of a meaningful change that you can say. Oh, we went from a BMI of 45 to now 39, right? And those are kind of those big changes that people don't see. Again, that kind of behavior change, you know, database piece that, you know, I, I, I hit on a lot with my clients that, um, you know, there's always some story to be had. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, kind of splitting hairs research on, you know, how accurate is BMI. It's like, that's, that's kind of missing the bigger picture. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. so, but uh, I think you and I kind of agree there, but um, as far as other measures, um, you know, again, as a, as an objective researcher, sorry, I'm leaning on the table again. Um, you know, I focus on just the objective observable um, behaviors. And so that is all tied to some type of activity device or tracker. Um, so I don't really use any invalid measurement devices. Hmm. Um, 
right? I mean, you could you could say, oh, maybe the Fitbit isn't as accurate, but it could be off by two hundred steps. But again, at the end of the day, you know, if you're if you're only taking two thousand steps, having an argument of if it if it should be twenty three hundred, it's a kind of a, a moot point, right? It's like, well, we got that's that's just one data point. We got bigger bigger things to do. So, um, but uh, is that what you were kind of thinking as far as like invalid measures or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, something that, else. Yeah, that was good. And and how how do you yeah. see like the sedentary behavior and and physical activity? Do you see? Do you look? When do people get the get the physical activity? Like how? How do they get the steps throughout the day? Do you look this kind of measures, or is it mainly just the overall oh, right. physical activity? Yeah, I look at overall, and so the tricky thing is, so as a researcher, I looked at you know uh, time throughout the day because as a student, you have the time to look at <laughs> all the bins between you know eight a.m. and five p.m. But mm. uh, but in practice, you know. Yeah, when it comes down to it, you know, I'm relying on what people report on the spreadsheet, you know, and of course those are tied to the objective measures and, you know, we can all trust most people that the data are, are you know, are, are good. Um, but there have been situations where, again, with that self-report piece where we'll make a goal specific to, I will, you know, engage in activity, um, I will do my stretches or mobility piece before I go on a run, or I will... Um, I will make sure to take a, you know, I'll take my break. Um, you know, I'll take a walking break, a 15 minute walking break, three days a week during lunchtime. So, I mean, the best I can do, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a yes or no answer on the spreadsheet. And then, you know, again, we're just going off the person and, you know, as long as you are a good people person and have decent soft skills, people are, will be open and honest, you know, they're gonna, they're not gonna fib or, you know. Um, you know, uh, lie about what, why they didn't, you know, why they did or did not take a walk during that, for that measurement piece. But, um, um, yeah, those are just kind of the, the, the pieces and in, in how I approach those type of, you know, validity, um, issues there. Hmm. And, and how important do you see the technology? Do you have customers who don't measure at all? And do you see that it's more difficult to change their behavior? Yeah. So I think that's a good, yeah, a good question there. So again, most people today, because the world we live in have some type of, you know, cool device that they wear on their wrist, but one person, um, did not. And so she actually had, um, but to quickly answer your question is most people are successful when they can, they can measure and monitor, you know, their own behavior, like right away. And we do, you know, the, the literature, um, supports this on, on the, on, on the, be- on the behavioral side of things that, you know, self regular self monitoring of performance data does improve, you know, um, behavior in the desired direction. So the, the quicker people can start measuring and looking at behavior. So, you know, a, a one-on-one session, I, I have graphs open. We're pointing to, did you, or did you not? So those people are going to be successful, you know, right out the gate based on all of those behavioral pieces that are embedded in, in my consulting uh, process. Um, I did have one client where she didn't have like a very, slick smartphone but i could convince her to at least carry her phone on her while she um, took a walk and we did that for a while but then eventually the great thing about technology was like it pretty much sells itself and she's like after about a month or two she's like i think i'm gonna buy my own watch i'm like you know i say great this will make this all a lot easier and you'll like it and um, you know go from there so um it was difficult 
you know, in respect of, you know, I'm always wearing my researcher and scientist hat that like, I can't really, you know, I'm less confident about the validity of, you know, some of those data because of those step count data that we're using because uh, it was like an off brand, cheap Android phone. So I, you know, uh, I wasn't very, you know, again, confident in how accurate those data were. And we know the accuracy of data is very important to behavior change. Um, so, um, yeah, that was just a, a fun instance that I thought I'd share with you. Hmm. And and what would you like to change in consumer activity trackers? What would be the main points if you could decide mm. how they are developed? What would you change? Yeah, I think this comes down to there has to be some type of a assessment on the front end when you're setting up these devices that there's, you know, I think of a colleague of mine that was, you know, attended University of Florida with me that we've gotten to the point where like, we can just, we can measure everything and we're going to be really good at it, right? Like the latest, you know, activity tracking thing is tracking, you know, uh, EKG and, you know, oxygen in your blood and things like that. But on the day to day, it's like, how much of this is like really useful? How much of these apps do I need to pay attention to every day? Right. Even, you know, I love, you know, full disclaimer, I'm a big Apple fan. I got the Apple watch here. I open up, I open up the health app, but I'm, I'm a pretty, I'd say I'm a pretty fluent. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty well-trained scientist when it comes to figuring out how this stuff works. I'm like, I'm just thinking as I scroll through this, I'm like, how does the average person who does, you know, who can barely figure out how to, you know, fit in 30 minutes of their day for walking, how are they going to, again, this is another behavior change skill set piece that you have to think about when doing all these things. So it's like, how is the, how is the average Joe going to have time to spend and, you know, click around and do all these things when you have all this data. And really it's like, you know, going off on a tangent here, but it's like, how do you use data? Right. I'm always going to use data in some respect. How do we make that useful, meaningful for somebody as their kind of fitness health and fitness journey changes, you know, over time. I think that'd be the big, the missing piece because we have all these negatives and, you know, cool looking devices they can measure everything, but like, I got things to do, right? I got a full-time job. You got a kid. You got, you got a full-time job. You got a podcast on the side, but it's like, what's the, what, what's the one small thing that's going to be useful for me now? And then over time. So mm. I think it could be solved a little better, like front end assessment. Yeah. So do I hear you saying that they are still too complex, even though they try to make them pretty simple, that there's still too much, much data? I think so. Yeah. As far as like the interfaces go, the displays, um, you know, really tying, right. What's your baseline is to like, what are the meaningful outcomes, you know, checking in, um, you know, I, I think of, uh, the whoop band is very good at tracking all kinds of things, right. Has a very slick interface, but I look at it I'm like, there's so many graphs, there's so many pie charts. What am I supposed to be paying attention to? Hmm. And I'm pretty good at reading graphs, you know, and you are too. So it's like, what is the average person, you know, I think that in a way almost kind of, you know, that's going to select the market in and of itself. Like you're going to need to have somebody that cares about data, appreciates science to some extent, likes looking up stuff like this, it engages in these things in their free time, you know, so now we're starting to took it, you know, start to paint the picture of, you know, that's one demographic, but then how do you get people that don't have any of these devices, don't care about any of this, you know, so that's, that's a whole separate question too. You know, how do you reach technology with people that 
could care less about their health outcomes. Mm. So, so do I you just think... opened a Pandora's box, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so do, do you think the activity trackers now are kind of the target group is like people who are like quantified self uh, in, interested on those things and then oh, they yeah. have been designed by engineers or yeah. scientists so they are not mainly very good for most of the normal people oh sure yeah it's it's uh definitely i would agree with the, the quantified self group you know then you then you're getting into you know that market is people that have you know free time to exercise free time to look at you know these metrics and then you know the expendable income to buy um a tracker uh, to pay for, you know, Whoop as a, a monthly membership to get access to the data. That's what people are paying for. They might not realize it, you know. Um, mm. But uh, um, yeah, it definitely like selects like a, a very, you know, niche, you know, segment of the market. You know, it's like a, like one new graph. Again, this is this is probably more of a humanity, you know, uh, humanity effort type. Uh, humanitarian effort type question but it's like one cool new graph in you know the health app for people that already use it all the time isn't gonna probably budge the needle on you know the worldwide physical inactivity you know ac- you know uh pandemic there it's it's a uh, uh uh yeah it's 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 good for the people that are already there but like if we're concerned with helping other people then that's a whole nother you know question to be answered hmm so you're an expert in behavior change. How should the data in mm-hmm. consumer activity trackers look? What what would you like to, when you open the smartphone app? What would you like there to be? Would there mm-hmm. be just one view? What would be the variables? How how they should be shown, in your opinion? Yeah, I think the challenge is right. We know how we know how feedback and rewards and all that is already embedded in all of our apps and social media, but I think it would need to be tied to some type of other, you know, larger than life contingency of just like, okay, look, you, you know, this is maybe where you get the workplace wellness teams involved of like, Hey, you did your activity. Now that's tied to your HR paperwork. And now you get a promotion or, 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 or a pay increase, or you get some type of incentive, you know, there. So it needs to be tied to, you know, um, you know, individual performance that kind of latches on to the rest of, you know, all the other things you do in, in life. Um, my colleague and I, uh, Triton at the University of Florida, he, um, we talked about this, like you need to embed, create something that really affects, you know, all the other contingencies, um, uh, to help drive that behavior. You know, it's, uh, um, like Pokemon Go, it's a fun video game. You're out and about in the world, but then how do you creatively, again, I'm just going to, shooting from the hip here like if you're out playing pokemon go can you then get a coupon to a gym within the app that then ties to your physical activity app and then you get points there or credit you know i'm kind of you know there's all kinds of opportunities but it's like how do you how do you redesign one app to to be to hit on all those different pieces in your life um that's probably more than what you're asking for, but <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, so, so if we think a little bit for the future, technology is going forward fast. How do you see an ideal activity tracker in the future? What what would be something important to measure from the behavior change perspective? Um, 
That's a really good question. Um, I would like to see something that ties it more to like, these are the, in, these are all the individual behaviors that like went into you, you know, meeting this, um, you know, meeting this goal. Cause sometimes, you know, we do things, we don't really know what kind of like led up to it. Like, okay, I, you know, I, I, I decreased my, uh, you know, resting heart rate by two beats per minute. But like, what did I just do in the past six months that really kind of led to that? So I think it'd be good if we could identify all those key behaviors that kind of led to what, uh, what are, what our desired, you know, health outcomes were. So, um, yeah, and it's, um, getting people, you know, comfortable with, you know, having their behavior measured. It's always, you know, um, interesting when you're looking at feedback on your own performance. Like, oh, wow, this is, it's very, raw and in front of you so having people you know again if we can educate others and just share that um you know we have uh, tools that are rooted in you know the behavioral science um and i think that could uh that could help people out you know um yeah yeah so. it's it's actually funny I, I i work with the with the technology but i never use activity trackers myself or or smartphone apps and the the only time i'm using it unless you go to like putting a chip under somebody's skin so you don't have to worry about monitoring all the time but that's a whole different thing <laughs> yeah yeah and and the only time i i actually use one is that i like the story so if i do for example a long run which is kind of a trip that we we go for example for a coffee in a mountain hut so I'm using actually the uh, app, which is after it, it creates a story. So I can see the route on the map and it shows the pictures oh, with cool. the music. So the only reason I'm doing it is because I like the story that after one, two years, I can look that, ah, this was a nice trip and it brings all the memories. But all of the applications are usually about technology, about metrics, how fast did you move and not about not about the story and for me i like the story part for my i know that if, mm-hmm. if i want to do a training that i want to run fast i know how it feels and i i don't really need to track it but i think this kind of story and and kind of thinking right. them from somewhere else than the engineering point of view would be a fresh air in the in the tracking scene right yeah i think um it just it made me think of um so when we are kind of, you know, sold a device, we, you know, we have an Apple watch or we have whatever other device, like, you know, it comes with all these other bells and whistles. You can send messages, you can take phone calls, all of them now, right? You can do those things. But when it comes to looking at the actual, let's say you just get a Fitbit just for the tracking. But I think the next question is, is this going to be something I'm going to be wearing for the rest of my life? Like what's the maintenance of actually wearing the device and tracking the data? I think about that, you know, for my own data all the time. I'm I'm interested in kind of the story of looking at, you know, my intensity minutes when I'm training, um, you know, at the gym, like on a day-to-day, week-to-week. So that's kind of interesting. That kind of helps, you know, reinforce and maintain my behavior like week-to-week. But, you know, for other people, when you buy a device, you know, just think about, okay, but at what point do you fade out the intervention? Um, and that's something that, you know, we talk about in behavior analysis is that okay, we're working with, you know, we're working with an employee, we're working with like a learner in an educational setting. Like, you know, Nick Green with Behavior Fit, he's the intervention. You know, I'm advising, we're meeting, 
you know, at what point do you kind of fade out services? And I have that kind of built in, you know, it's like, okay, I want to get you to the point, Oli, where, you know, you are, you know, active and meeting your goals. And then as you're meeting those goals, like, how do we fade out the different pieces here? How do I fade myself out? And I've done that before with, um, you know, we meet, I'll meet with clients like on a day-to-day basis, like, or not day-to-day, but like a weekly basis. And as they are maintaining their progress and I'll fade out and we'll meet like once every two weeks doing the same thing. And then we'll fade to like once a month while having the same measures and metrics in place. But I can think about, you know, well, how do you know you're active? I got it on my, I got it on my Apple watch. How do you know you're inactive? Um, what's on my Apple watch? But if you take the watch away, what other kind of indicators in our environment would still tell us that we've been, you know, active and meeting the, you know, meeting those general recommendations. I think that's the, that's the hard part. We've gotten to this whole world of measuring everything, but we, I think we, we don't, we don't think about how do we then fade away that measurement? Is it important? Is it not important? Maybe somebody's okay with measuring steps for the rest of their life. But I think those are kind of the just larger questions that are uh, important to have. Hmm. Yeah, this has been really interesting discussion about role of technology from the from the practical point of view from the from the field that you have the experience with the customers on on a daily and mm-hmm. weekly basis. So, I think we could start wrapping right. up this interesting discussion. Do you have final remarks about use of technology in in behavior change? Yeah, um I think, you know, we're very fortunate right now to be able to objectively measure a lot of these great things, um, whether it be types of exercise, different biometrics. And so I think it's an incredible tool that we can embed in just different healthcare services and, and products, you know. Again, we've been talking about these are, you know, clients that have access to, you know, they can, they have the extra money to buy these things, but you know, what do we, what do we think about when it comes to like healthcare? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've never had a conversation with a, with a primary care physician, but about this, but like our Apple watch is prescribed as a, as a measurement device to help them track activity. Are they given different technological services to help, help, you know, help folks, you know, monitor significant, uh, health behavior changes that are needed to improve their health? Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of room that people, you know, people are very, um, uh, people can, you know, change their behavior and, um, produce their outcomes probably, um, you know, more, more likely than, than not, you know, so it's, uh, uh, I think the times of, of technology and behavior analysis are really interesting. It's an interesting pairing now that we can look at how those, you know, how those two, um, industries kind of you know complement each other hmm. yeah very very interesting points uh thanks for nick taking the time for this podcast it was a really interesting discussions yeah you're welcome i'm happy to, to join again thanks for joining us this week on physical activity researcher podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, 
in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.